0: I just said that's it. You know, something has to change. Um I can't keep doing this. Uh I could just see for second like a moment, I could just see my whole life just disintegrating before me.
1: Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. tribe leader, Janet Gorond.
2: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Today's episode is all about a subject close to my heart, coaching. I qualified as an executive coach years ago when I was back in the corporate world. More recently, I've qualified as a recovery coach which means I can specifically work with people that are looking to change their relationship with alcohol. My conversation today is with Lynette Larue, who explains how she overcame her own struggle with alcohol and then went on to help many other people by becoming a World Without Wine coach. I began our conversation by asking Lynette to tell us something about herself. Yeah,
0: I'm 57 years old or young. I can't believe i am <laughs> looking at that number. Um, I'm married. I'm, I have two sons. I have two two grandsons. And I live in Linden, Johannesburg. So I've worked mainly in the um, human resources and office administrative field for the last 25 years. But so I'm really, really happy that right now I'm kind of – everything is kind of coming together, so – now in my late fifties, I'm really for the first time embracing my true passions and starting to find out what is my what is my passion and where do I flow.
2: So let's let's go back in time, shall we? Um, tell t- tell me when you started uh, worrying that your relationship with alcohol was going a bit off kilter. It was a bit unhealthy.
0: Yeah, I think it was already in my mid twenties. Um, I was in a very unhealthy relationship with a guy who really loved his whiskey and his rum and coke. And, and it, so initially it was a kind of a way to connect. Um, I, before that, I actually never really drank. And, um, but I suddenly found myself drinking a whiskey with him and two and three. And as the relationship became more and more abusive and unhealthy, so my drinking at the time escalated. And um, I, I remember a, a night of absolute drunken, screaming, crying, throwing of things like really a low. And then when the relationship ended, it was I kind of took a break from alcohol and I had my, my second son and And for, for a long time, I didn't drink until I went back into the working my working career and sort of got back into... Um, team meetings and team buildings, and really started drinking more than I should. When I, I used to notice that at these play functions, I would be often um, drinking much more than anybody else, and having and not always being able to recall everything that happened, and be mortified in the mornings. And uh, so I would always take a break. So after after situations like that, I would say to myself, "Okay, that's it." <laughs> That's not going to happen again. You're going to take a break. And then not before long, I was like back to drinking again. And then I met my my second my second husband, and he doesn't really drink, and he didn't really uh, enjoy drinking, and so it was never about drinking with him. And he started um, telling me whenever we went out that he thought I had a bit of a problem and that uh, I would drink too much. So I think that's when I started realizing, okay. Um, maybe I, I do have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And, and then it just escalated really in my, my 40s when I became more and more demotivated at work. I had a really, really stressful situation at work and I started drinking every night. And um, so, yeah, that was when I, I really, really, my drinking started spiraling out of control in my late 40s, early 50s.
2: And that was the time that you came along to one of our workshops? Yes,
0: so um, I, was, I, I was 54 when I came to World Without Wine.
2: Okay.
0: Um, and, uh, did, yeah. did that
2: kind of fix things straight away or were, were you up and down and stopping and starting for a while after that? Remind me what happened.
0: So, so when I came to the workshop, I'd already, I had already i was already a month. Um, I'd, I'd really stopped drinking for a month, and I came in in the in the June it was. A, and three months later, I, I found myself um, drinking wine at a, with a friend. It was her birthday. We went out, uh, just her and me. And she was drinking a lot, and I just had one glass. And I thought, okay, I can do this. <laughs> I can moderate. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, and, I mean, Johan was just mortified that I started drinking again. And within a week, I was drinking every day. And I, and I remember that Women's Day was the next day, and I, I, I was drinking a lot. I we I really started drinking on the 9th of August again. And then it started escalating to, like, vodka, because somebody told me you can't smell vodka. And I said, well, Johan my nurses if I drink vodka. And, yeah. And it was, a, it was a, when it was, I think the 18th was my last real binge where when I worked, woke up on the 19th, I just said, that's it, you know, something has to change. Um, I can't keep doing this. Uh, I could just see, it was like in a moment, I could just see my whole life just disintegrating before me. And that was the last Eight. time I drank. And, and what was the difference? I, I often ask myself, you know, so why was that such a life changing moment? Yeah.
2: Um, I don't really know. You just felt that you were you were done. Yeah. I know that happened to me as well. I think uh, a lot of people just get to that stage where they're, they're tired, you know, they, they know it's taking them nowhere and they're tired of going round and round in circles. And we have to accept that moderation is just not for some of us, don't we? Yes, and I, and I have to
0: say, during all of that time, I kept connected to the World Without Wine um, WhatsApp group. And I think that's what really was a, a lifeline for me. So even though I wasn't really active on it, I, I kept checking in on it and I kept um, getting motivated by other people's stories and realizing I can do this.
2: Yeah, I think once we realise we're not alone, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? There's not something wrong with us. It's just um, alcohol is addictive and it gets its claws into some of us.
1: You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober.
2: So just um, talk talk me through the best things that have happened to you since you stopped drinking.
0: Oh, so many things. (laughs) I got my energy back. Um, I think that was a it was a big one for me as I got I got healthy again. Um, when I first um, stopped drinking, I was really really ill and I had high inflammation markers. Um, I had lots of aches and pains. In fact, I thought I was going to I had fibromyalgia or something like that. Um, and the aches and, and pains eventually disappeared. And I, I think uh, I started being able to set goals. I needed to st- started sticking to my word. Um, I uh, started to trust myself again. I started to feel alive again. Um, yeah, I think I started to really embrace um, becoming me and, and who is me. And I like, really started going much more in. Um and found I think the, the the best gift was that I could re I could re- really generate my own inner bliss and happiness and, and joy without these false pleasures that gave me like an instant yeah. like buzz. I think that was a huge gift.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. The the difference between that that joy and the chemical buzz is huge, isn't it? Yeah. So um, one of the lovely things, of course, that's happened since you stopped drinking was that you became a World Without Wine coach. Yes. (laughs) So remind me how that happened.
0: That was another um, beautiful serendipity because I never really used to uh, understand what coaching was about. And um, I used to always just think it was like a – part of the pop culture kind of like just quick quick fix not really lasting but when I was like really really struggling three months into my sobriety I I went to see a coach and a friend of mine said to me at the time that she had a friend who was busy qualifying to be a coach and she was looking for people to coach and why didn't I just give it a go and um, that's when I really realized what coaching was was all about and that it was Uh, not quite what I'd expected, but I started to set goals.
2: So uh, I know you've coached a lot of people in our community. I get lots of feedback about it, awesome feedback. Um, If anyone's listening to this and they're not quite sure what coaching is, uh, what what would you say to them? How would you define coaching?
0: Uh, I would tell them that it's – it's a relationship, and it's a really an empowering partnership uh, that provides a thinking space for them to set goals for their personal or professional development and to be accountable to themselves to achieve those goals. Uh, so I think coaching is really about the client taking responsibility for their own learning and accomplishment. It's, it's action-orientated. It's solution-focused. It's exploring possibilities for new actions and in the present rather than focusing on the past. And I think that was the big, big one for me that unlike therapy, you don't go to the past. Mm-hmm. The past is the past. And whatever happened in the past happened exactly as it was supposed to, because we can't change it. But we can yeah. focus on the present and, and the future. So it really is a process that focuses on on who who you want to be, and and what you want, what needs you have, and what you want to do to actualize your own potential. Uh, for me, uh, coaching conversations really enhance self and interpersonal awareness. Uh, it helps with like really clarifying one's thoughts. Um, I love using the think feel act cycle in my coaching uh, because I. I learned for myself, and I think for many people, that everything we do in life uh, is because of how we feel. (laughs) Everything we don't do, everything we do do, is because of how we feel. But we don't often stop and think, "Okay, why do I feel like that?" And um, and it's our thinking that causes our feelings, and then our actions. And if we can trace it back to our thoughts and become aware of our thoughts, and that's really what coaching helps us to do. It, It helps to create that awareness. Um, and that sort of learning, and then the other thing about coaching is that it, that the, it does. Um, usually, the client will undertake some reflections and practices in between coaching sessions that will form part of the learning process, like journaling, um, like maybe doing a gratitude journal, self-reflection, meditations.
1: You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com.
2: And why do you think it's so helpful for um, someone to use coaching when they want to change their relationship with alcohol?
0: Because I think one of the biggest, biggest um challenges is to sit with um, the emotions and the thoughts that come up around alcohol and to investigate one's beliefs um, and to get curious about that rather than judgmental. So I think for a lot of people, uh, for me, uh, when I was drinking a lot, there was a lot of self-loathing, there was a lot of negative self-talk, and then just a kind of a defeatist victim mentality. Um, Through coaching rather than judging yourself and getting like really heavy on yourself, you actually learn to become curious. So what is it really that is that I'm longing for? what is the, what is the wine really giving me that I actually want? And I think that's how uh, for me uh, coaching can really help create that awareness around alcohol and to find other ways to to get that connection and to find that the happiness that one is often longing for.
2: There's an expression that I really like, uh, which is when we stop drinking, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you told us at the workshop once a lovely story about your therapist. Do you remember that? Sorry, your coach, wasn't it? (laughs) Uh, Do you remember? I do. The one I'm talking about. Go on, remind us. It was a lovely story.
0: Uh, Ah, It was a... I was already a year into my sobriety and I was just so down and I, I was just so, life just seemed so hard again, as it does from time to time. And I and mm. I, I was saying to my coach, why does it always have to be so hard? And every every new step is so hard. And um, she said to me, what's wrong with heart?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, you know, and in that moment, it was like the blinkers fell from my eyes and I just realized how often in life I would not em- embrace a new a, go- a goal or try something new because of the fear of what hard would
2: be and not wanting to sit with the discomfort of hard. And that's often when we used to uh, reach for that glass of wine, wasn't it, when things felt just too hard?
0: Yes. So now when I reach yeah. for chocolate, I often say to myself, okay, I'm, I've, one of the skills that I've really, really learned. Um, through through getting over my, my my desire to drink has been to be able to really get curious and um, to really start getting to know when I'm numbing out or when I'm not facing something or when there's an unhealthy thought or belief running because I can see it in my actions and I start watching excessive series or I start yeah. finding myself eating lots of chocolate. I'm like no, I'm not. I'm like something is happening here. So. Um, what could and I get curious like, and it's usually always goes back to an, an an incident that happened that I kind of brushed aside and I didn't really want to look at, and I kind of mm. swept under the carpet.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love what you say about getting curious rather than judgmental. It's um, it's less less harsh and more constructive. <laughs> yes. Yes. So if you could go back to a time when you were drinking too much, what what would you say to yourself? What would you say to that Lynette that was um, on the vodka so that Johan wouldn't know what what you'd been drinking, for example?
0: Oh, I would tell her, listen, the bad news is that drinking too much is not a habit that will magically vanish. Hmm. In fact, the more you drink, the deeper the habit ingrains itself and the more challenging it will be to stop. Life is so beautiful and meaningful on the other side of that glass of wine, or or vodka, or whatever you're doing right now. Don't waste your life feeling hungover and loathing yourself for a little bit of buzz and numbing out. What you're truly longing for is connection and belonging, and that can only happen when you start truly coming
2: home to yourself and what what would you say is keeping you on track these days is it is it easy to um, just be alcohol free or do, do you still get a bit tempted sometimes
0: i i just never get tempted anymore and I, and i think one of the what i really really worked on was sitting with the feeling of the urge of really wanting to drink uh, rather than suppressing it by distracting myself from it. So when I really learned that skill of sitting with the urge, sitting with the hard, um, mm. uh, it's a skill that can I can use for anything in life. Um, yeah. And I think what keeps me on track is that I – I've got, I've got no desire to drink anymore. It's absolutely amazing, not the least bit, and and that's all I ever wanted. I used to say to to my my to Johan, all I ever want is not to want to drink. Will I ever just yeah. not want to want to drink? It's all I want, and and now here I am, and I have zero desire. And that's yeah. so actually easy to keep on track with not drinking. Yeah. it feels like freedom doesn't it (laughs) Yes. you know I I often think about it as being in a prison and there was an escape hatch all this time I just never ever used it
2: so there'll be people listening to this Lynette that um, are where you were a few years ago where I was as well what what recommendations would you make for them what what would you say to them so you, you you remember where they were? They'll know in their conscious mind that they want to change, but um, deep down in their subconscious, they can't seem to to get there. What would you say to encourage them?
0: I would really um, encourage them to to plug into a tribe, you know, to become part of World Without Wine, um, to read as much as they can about. Um, alcohol and the effects of alcohol to really understand what is happening in their brain, and I would also really, really encourage them to get coaching and to to really take that step. I know that it was a step that I didn't um, initially even also contemplate to take. It was the one if, if I think back to my journey and what was so different and what really, really um, helped me this time to stay on track. It was my coaching, and even to this day, I still have my coach, and I still go for coaching. Uh, it's so so important to to really really understand um, why why are you drinking, and coaching will help you to be accountable to yourself, and how to apply all these tools that you learn about. And when you go on a workshop, you get so many wonderful tools. And we always have the intention to apply them, and and we don't. Um, And coaching will really help you to become much more uh, systematic about it, much more accountable to yourself about it. And then I would also just say journal, journal, journal. Get quiet, meditate, and
2: um, exercise. Okay, that's some beautiful advice there, Lynette. Thank you so much. Anything that you'd like to add before we say goodbye?
0: Um, yeah, one of the things I would really like to add is that I think for a lot of us um, who, who, who overdrink, it's because we have anxiety. And, uh, and it's kind of the one feeds the other. And um, you kind of wire it quite anxiously. And it comes out of a need of wanting to control. And uh, my advice would just be to really um, understand that we cannot control others. Uh, we cannot control the outside world. We cannot control the fact that there's a virus happening right now. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> and it's, and it's, uh, our suffering really comes from when we do try and control it, even when we try and want to make everybody around us happy. We can't do it. Uh, it's it's too much um so letting go of wanting to control everything is a huge huge um, part of it and understanding that the only person you can control is yourself the only person that you can that you need to learn to truly love and appreciate is yourself before you can truly shine that light onto others and also remember that you're born worthy that you're born, born lovable i always tell my clients that you are 100% lovable and worthy of love. And, wo- and ha- no matter what you do or, or who you are, that is, that is something that you, that you don't have to earn.
2: You're listening to Goodbye to Alcohol, a podcast from World Without Wine. Thank you so much, Lynette. There's so much wisdom there. But I'm going to pull out just three points that really resonated with me. The first thing that Lynette said that really struck me is that everything we do in our lives is because of how we feel. And often we drink because we don't want to feel. But very often those feelings are there for a reason. They're very important triggers for us to maybe change our lives in some significant way. So it makes absolutely no sense to, to stifle those, those feelings. The key to change is to allow those feelings to emerge. I mean, those feelings are messy and painful, but they're there for a reason, and we need to get curious about them. And my second point is that um, Lynette says, get curious rather than judgmental. I think many of us work hard to uh, not to be judgmental with other people. I mean, personally, when I see people uh, in restaurants getting completely trashed, (laughs) I try not to be judgmental because I was one of those people a few years ago. So don't be judgmental with yourself. Many of us are so hard on ourselves. Get curious about your feelings. If you feel the urge to drink, then try and reflect Where are those feelings coming from? What's triggering those feelings? Are you lonely? Are you angry? Are you tired? Maybe there's something else you can do to cope apart from numbing those feelings with a bottle of wine. And I find it a great comfort to remember that we're not put on this earth to be happy 24 seven. It's part of the human condition to have good days, to have bad days, and we must acknowledge that and not keep giving ourselves this chemical high because it's unsustainable. And the third point is Lynette's lovely story, which uh, I remember her telling this at a workshop and it really struck me and everybody else there, I'm sure. But she she told us about um, an occasion when she'd been to her coach And Lynette was really fed up this day. She uh, she was depressed. She was exhausted, even though she was three months sober. And she said to her coach, oh, why, why is it so hard? I should be over this by now. I should be happy and sober, but I'm not. And why, why is it so hard? And the coach said to her, what's wrong with hard? And that's profound and, and very interesting because we, we shy away from things that are difficult, don't we? But let's, let's remember that expression, you know, what is wrong with heart? I've heard alcohol described as um, an easy button because many of us use it to get past difficult times, difficult feelings. But when we do that, we are depriving ourselves of emotional growth. Because our growth, our emotional maturity, if you like, comes from situations that we've dealt with, difficult feelings that we've managed to get through. So thank you, Lynette, for sharing all that with us. And uh, let me just give you a quick reminder of those three gems before we close. Listen to your feelings. Get curious about those feelings. Don't be judgmental. And finally, there's nothing wrong with heart. So thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a review.
1: Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. It takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards. And that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.